0: This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com.
1: Thanks for listening to the Live Fully podcast from Sage Hill. This is Stephen James, the Executive Director, and I'm joined today by Jill Gullihorn, who is one of our therapists here, um, and a good friend. And she has taught me a lot over the last few years about what it means to uh, live with wisdom, and compassion, and courage, and resiliency. And she's taught me a little bit about the Enneagram, which uh, is not as hot as it was a few months ago, but in true hill fashion, we are slow to the party. So thanks for listening, and this is one of a three-part series that Jill and I put together to help you better understand what is the Enneagram, how it can be useful for you, and what are its limitations in helping you be the best version of yourself. Hey, Jill. Hey, Stephen. How you doing? Doing good. Good. Well, this is the second part of a three-part podcast series you and I are doing on the Enneagram, mm-hmm. but it's really like you're doing it and I'm just kind of here playing dumb. So
0: You are so not playing dumb. <laughs> I don't believe that for two seconds. Um,
1: yeah. So if anybody missed the last one, go back and listen to it. But real quick, it was a broad overview of what the Enneagram is, mm-hmm. uh, where it comes from, your, your history in it, your experience in it, uh, and, and some, kind of some guidelines for people about how to begin to how to think about it or to really become more adept in the, in the wisdom of the Enneagram as a wisdom tool. Um, yep. And so we're moving today into talking about specifically like what it's good for.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Like, and maybe even a little more technical things about how the numbers relate to each other a little, a little more, but um, sure. you know, it's, it's been super popular. Right. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who, who know about it. Uh, there's a lot of people who uh, are using it and have defined themselves by it. And it's been a real helpful tool for a lot of people. So why is it helpful? And then like, what's it good for? Right. Becomes my question.
0: Why is it helpful? Is a great question. Um, my teacher, Suzanne Stabil, always says it's helpful because it's true. <laughs> And I love that. And, and she's like, I've tried, she's like, people want me to defend it. People want me to give them the evidence for it. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's just true. She's like, I've just never met anybody that didn't like take a look at it and go, yeah, this feels true.
1: Chip has said that about the spiritual root system. Like in the very beginning, he's, you know, he would say if it passes the uh-huh test, like where you go, uh-huh, that's right. Yep. Then if it's true, then it must be true, you know. Yep. Um, and like he said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, which is like if that's enough to start a country, it's certainly enough, like for spiritual growth work, right? That there's wow. Some I love. that. not that great? He's he's so smart that way. And so it's like I think this is in line with that. Is like it, it passes the aha uh-huh test. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And
0: I think I think the other reason that I have found it helpful, and I've heard other people share that they have found it helpful. Is that it's very nuanced and textured, where there are other wisdom tools or personality typing tools that are helpful, right, and and can help us see facets of different things, but they tend to be focused on strengths, and yet so much of our life is where we struggle,
1: mm.
0: and fail, and the Enneagram mm. acknowledges that, where you know Myers Briggs doesn't. Um, you know, a lot of these other things that are, that people use and are helpful for some things, they don't cover this. They don't have like a spiritual perspective on, yeah. on the way we see. And, and so I think that's what the Enneagram does. It's very, to me, it, it, it intersects with my faith and with, um, our strengths and our sin, you know?
1: And the spiritual perspective, help me if this is right, but the Enneagram is that our our deficiencies right are as much of who we are as our giftedness yes like our lim- our limitations say as much of our dignity as our gifts do right? That's right and and that all that together and all of us together kind of make a whole absolutely um, and that no one is the whole thing unto themselves right yes
0: that's yeah. a great way to put it
1: yeah that's that it, to me is one of the most invitational things about the Enneagram is that there's that even though there's numbers, there's not a ranking. It's it's a, yep. it's a how do I find myself and how do I learn to embrace my limitations?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not as uh, even character defects, but as like, oh, this is where I just am limited. Like this yep. is where I need help and this is where I need others and this is where I need to grow. And this is
0: absolutely,
1: yeah, and yeah, we can't, okay,
0: we can't like get rid of like Suzanne always says our best thing is also our worst thing.
1: Uh, yes absolutely and that's very
0: much at the core of the Enneagram is like um you know if a one comes to me and it's like man I really wish that I didn't have these voices that are telling me I need to always be doing better and better and better you know and then you know when you're gosh don't you want a one doing things with excellence and Mm -hmm. um seeing the things that I don't see or? or making a, a, reforming things in the world, you know, Richard Rohr is a one. It's
1: to tell you the way everything's not going to work. <laughs> However, how everything could go bad.
0: Sometimes it's helpful.
1: <laughs> it's super helpful. Actually, like yeah. it's super helpful. To go. Your
0: best thing is your worst thing, right?
1: Oh gosh. Yeah. Like I was working on something the other day and I, I believe Heather may be a six and I invited her. I said, Hey, can you tell me what everything that's wrong with this? And she's like, absolutely. And -hmm. she was so right. And I totally couldn't see it. Yep. You know, and it was so helpful. And then she went on and I was like, okay, that part's not helpful. Stop. That's (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I would say, I would also say the other's true. Like our best thing is our worst thing. And our, I would say our best things also come from the worst things right? Yeah. Like the worst experiences in our lives actually shape us more and define us more than the best experiences, right? I and, think that's true. You know, and so there's something, there's even wisdom in that too. Okay, so it's it's good to help us know kind of who we are. It's good to help us know who we're not, Yep. right? Where we're limited.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. how is,
1: yeah, what else, what else is it good for?
0: I think, I mean, that's where we start, right? But I think it is so helpful in extending compassion and grace to the people around us. Um, You know, we don't even have to know their number, right? I mean, it helps sometimes if they're like, this is my number, and that can be helpful. But just walking around with this deep awareness, like what Enneagram work has done for me, I don't think about it all the time. I really don't. It's just kind of sunk down into this deep place where, like, I have this awareness that, like, of my strengths and my limitations yeah. and that and the humility of sitting in that place is something that I'm constantly trying to stay in and that helps me extend grace to other people I don't expect them to not be limited I don't expect them to not have strengths and weaknesses I accept it I can mm-hmm. really accept that and um, and that it's just a compassionate view and and I think it really depersonalizes maybe it's the word I would use it depersonalizes some of the um, interpersonal conflict that we have when you realize like that really is not about me that is Mm. not this is this is about somebody's fear of um, not being seen or this is about somebody's fear of being controlled this is about somebody's fear around this or their anger around this like it it helps you not take things so personally
1: So does it also, then I would imagine it helps with self-compassion?
0: I think it has to help with that first.
1: (laughs) Okay. Say more about that. Yeah. I want to hear more about that.
0: I mean, I think it's why I really encourage people to spend time doing work in their own number before they start thinking about um, who the people in their family are. Now, can we do it perfectly? No, we can't. Like it's really difficult to hear the Enneagram being taught and not think mom and your, your spouse and your friend and your boss and whatever. But the work is every time you, you're most distracted to kind of bring it back to you and go, okay, what's in this for me? Because there's usually enough work there for a lifetime. And then once we can start having more compassion around, um, you know, the, the shame of, of the limitations of our own number. Um, cause I, when I first heard my own number, I felt a lot of shame. I felt a ton of shame. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I felt exposed.
1: Yeah.
0: And I I've heard a lot of people say something similar and it's interesting because it's always a different number, which lets me know it's not about a number. It's when people feel like they're exposed, you know, like in the garden and you're like, ah, you saw me. And then you want to cover up. Um, you hear someone talking about the deepest struggles of your heart. And you feel, ex- I felt exposed, and so it was just yeah. coming to a place yeah. where I could. Um, I, I will just say now when I hear my number, I don't, I don't feel that way anymore.
1: Mm. I, well, it's I mean, I I mean as therapists. We I've experienced this as a therapy patient, but also seen it in the face of people I've worked with. Right? Is is you say something that to you is so obvious, and but to them they've never seen it before. Yeah. Uh, and that sense of like, I've been caught like that. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that's, huh. So how does, how do you go from that sense of toxic shame, right? Mm-hmm. To humility and self-compassion, right? That's a, that's a big bridge to cross. It, it, would seem.
0: it took me a really long time. I mean, and it's taking me a long time. Like it's a journey. And I think that's why I love that, it, that Suzanne always talks about this as a spiritual journey cause it's not a point in which you arrive. You don't arrive there. You don't, um, we're journeying. And, and I would say it's come through, um, a lot of work, right. I've done a lot of therapy and spiritual direction and groups and recovery. And I've been through a lot of failure and stuff. And, uh, that has, it's changed me and it's, mm-hmm. it's shaped my character and it's helped me accept my limitations. And like you said, just not, not seeing them as, as just a deficit, but seeing them as like, seeing my limitations some freedom. Like I can't so do I'm, all these things. You
1: no, know, I'm going to ask you a question then you don't have to answer it. You can like mm-hmm. punt on the question. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, but what is something, but I won't edit out you punting if you punt it. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. What is something you love about you mm-hmm. that's about Jill in relationship to your Enneagram number, your Enneagram type?
0: What is something I love? I, no, I really don't. I feel so glad to share this because I don't think I could have shared this when I first signed the Enneagram. I would have felt, I would have felt shame about it. I, I love being a six. I'm a six and I love that common good is like a default for me. I really care about other people and um, I care about the good of everyone and I love that and I think yeah. it really helps in an individualistic society where a lot of people are like it's just about me or it's just about my family or, it's just about my kids like I I can't think that way I, I think like how is this gonna affect somebody else and um you know the shadow side of that the dark side of that is that can be codependent, but in a healthy way if you if you can do your work and stay in the health of it it like can really make you keep you humble and make you an empathetic um and compassionate person and I think it's really helped with contentment i I really feel really content um most of the time with my with my life
1: you teaching me about the six type drive for common good mm. has been in the last probably three years, one of the most helpful things for me to learn about my wife mm. and about mm. me to be uh, understanding about her motivations in life and our marriage and the burden she carries about like our children and yep. about me and about like everybody but herself. Yep. Right? and And just what broad shoulders she has uh in that way, you know, so like that helped like from a compassion standpoint as you're talking i remember, oh gosh, I remember the first time you said that, like common good. I'm like, oh my gosh, like it all clicked. And it's like, I wish I'd have yes. done that 20 years ago. Like that would've yeah. helped me. You know?
0: And it can be pro- such a yeah. beautiful you know, I've experienced it in both ways, right? I've experienced it can become distorted and unhealthy. But in a healthy place, it's one of the things I like most about being six.
1: six. Uh, that's awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. And, and the so I heard you say a couple of things that the Enneagram gave you some categories and language. You didn't say this. I'm summarizing this. Mm-hmm. Some categories and language and some like, uh, like thinking about like football field, like lines to that kind of organize the play with. Right, mm-hmm. but I've also heard you use recovery language and therapy language, like all mm-hmm. these other things, kind of in in that uh, helped you also. Like the enneagram of itself didn't help you heal from toxic shame.
0: Nope. Okay. Nope. Just one yeah. one tool, one yeah. tool, and I I think we've talked about this before, but um, you know I think maturity is about integration in so many ways, and not yeah. this compartmentalization and fragmentation and all that stuff. And so I'm really interested right now in how the Enneagram integrates with lots of other things. That's what interests me. How it overlaps with all these other things.
1: It started as an idea for you. And then over time, as you've practiced it and known it, and have done this other healing work and growth work in your life, it's settled into a deeper place in you that it's not it's not the filter you run everything through, but it's it's nope. it, it's a primary filter maybe for you. But yep. it's also kind of an organizing way to organize things and hang ideas on and yeah. Absolutely.
0: And it's yeah. limited, you know, it, oh, it can absolutely. only do some things. It can yeah. uh you know, Suzanne always says I love this too. She's like, um, the Enneagram can't do anything by itself. The yeah. Enneagram combined with these other things, with spiritual work or in community or um in recovery um, she's done a lot of work with the enneagram and in, in 12-step recovery and um she's also used the enneagram in hospitals like with people um with people on on the front lines kind of like how, how is this going to help you in your work with sitting people with people in their grief and the differences of what they might need and so it's, it's helpful in, in in, you know, for use with other things, but just on it it's just, it's just like a set of facts.
1: I'm thinking about my own growth. You say that of like other things. There was a season in my life where I was a terrible marriage counselor, like early in my practice. And I committed myself to go spend about three or four years just learning about marriage and family and, and the tools and tricks. And I poured myself into that. And there was a couple of teachers that I like really jumped on, you know, mm-hmm. um, and probably hurt some people with their teachings. Right.
0: Yeah. Like, I,
1: like, as I was trying to get it for myself, uh, you know, David Schnark being one of them and differentiation and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff was a uh, really helpful idea for me in working with couples. Mm -hmm. Um, it is so in me now I never think about it but Mm -hmm. it certainly is a category that I when I'm sitting with a couple I'm thinking in this continuum of differentiation and and fusion and what does that mean and how does attachment play into that and Mm -hmm. you know not play into that right I've got more things to hang it on now than I did when I was just learning it right yeah yeah yeah
0: it's so freeing to think about it like that you know, it's just, it, it's, yeah, it's way more freeing than rigid. Like we talked about in the first episode when you can look at it like that.
1: So the Enneagram is not going to fix my kids. Nope. Not going to fix my spouse. It's not mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. fix my addiction.
0: So sorry. Not,
1: oh gosh. Yeah, not you just have make- to go to
0: <laughs> meetings. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh. You just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't, it's just. It's a layer of, of wisdom, and it's it's some wisdom um, perspective and, and a tool for spiritual transformation that you can use in conjunction with these other things.
1: That's great. Thanks, Jill. Absolutely. So good.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com.